One of the most important things that small businesses ignore is their own story, what it is that they do that's unique and different from everybody else, and how they came up with that as a business model. If you look at everybody who appears on Shark Tank, you know, one of the first things they do is they talk about how they, you know, founded this company. Sometimes it's an inspirational story. There might be obstacles that they overcame. And I think that one of the reasons that startups in particular start with this is because it's a great way to humanize the business. And there's a human interest element there. And that's really irresistible to people. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and today my guest is Mickey Kennedy. Mickey has been in the press release space for 25 years, working with startups and small businesses to get the word out about what they're doing in their business and driving tangible results whether it's new clients, new customers, thought leadership, and increasing the awareness of what you do. And when I think about marketing and honest marketing specifically, I think press releases are a fantastic opportunity for a lot of businesses and small businesses because it allows you to create the story that you want to get out about what you do, who you are, what, what you represent, and, and why you exist in the world, and doing it in a way that earns you the attention of people that are elsewhere on the internet. So on this conversation that I have with Mickey, we really lay out the strategic value of press releases and how press release campaigns can really help get the word out about what you're doing. We talk about the, the biggest myths and mistakes that, that he sees a lot of businesses making when it comes to getting into press releases and what to look for and avoid if you are looking to find a partner or an agency to help you with that. And then we also get really practical about what to include in your press releases and how to position them to really appeal to the right kind of journalist or writer that's going to write a story about you and drive a ton of traffic to your website. Now, make sure that you stick around to the very end of the episode where I'll give you my number one takeaway from our conversation with Mickey. But here it is. Let's dive in. Well, Mickey, welcome to the Honest Marketing Podcast. Super happy to have you here. And, and for anyone that's listening, you need to go over to the YouTube channel to see Mickey's just absolutely exceptional glasses choice that he has. Uh, you know, I remember the first time that I saw you just from a, a previous podcast that you were on, I was like, that is some strong brand recognition right there. Uh, but regardless, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So for anyone that's listening, uh, I'd love for you just to give a little bit of context about who you are, your background, and then your your work on uh, ereleases.com and, and the kind of things you do over there. Right. So uh, I run ereleases. Uh, it's a press release distribution service. We started about a little over 25 years ago um, this past October. And uh, we started with just being matchmakers of sending out uh, press releases on behalf of clients to my little database of journalists that I had. And I'd send it out via email. And over the years, Pierre Newswire reached out to us and said, Hey, you should consider adding our distribution. And I was like, Hey, you charge $1,500 to move a 600 word press release. I don't think my clients can afford that. But, um, surprisingly, they didn't run away. They liked that I work with entrepreneurs and startups and small businesses. And, um, we were able to work it out so that all of our distributions go out nationally over the wire, um, as well as some of the other distributions that we're known for, like email and targeting to uh, trade publications and magazines as well as TV and radio. Yeah, and and I want to kind of start out in, in our conversation shaping like what a press release actually is. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions, especially with business owners about what's involved and, you know, my business doesn't really need a press release. We don't really have anything to talk about or we're talking about or 
You know, how do I even get in front of a journalist? Like, so I'd love to talk there and then maybe get strategic about how a business can leverage things like press releases for their strategic goals. Uh, but let's just start with a press release right off the bat. Like, how would you define a press release? If somebody asks you, like, what is a press release anyways, as it pertains to like a business owner? Basically, a press release is just an announcement to the media. It's usually written into the uh, in the third person. Um, you know, it's it's usually you're trying to give the elements for a journalist to turn it into a story or an article. And so you're not looking to write the article uh, that a journalist is going to copy and paste, but have them draft an original article. We call that earned media when a journalist writes about you. And, and that's, you know, basically at the press releases, the building blocks we hope for a, a story. And hopefully it's something that we're conveying that really speaks to uh, a journalist in a way that they want to share it with their audience because, you know, they're, they're largely gatekeepers trying to control the information they share with their audience. And they want to make sure that if, if it is something that they want to turn into an article that it will interest their audience, you know, will they, see it as educational or entertaining or a mixture of both or you know is there just an interesting uh, story here and something that my audience would uh, be res- you know respond favorably to and you mentioned uh you know kind of in your lead up that uh you know when you when you write the press release like that's that's step one but then there's the actual distribution of it uh what does that look like you know so when somebody writes something regarding their business they're putting those building blocks together to create a story What's the mechanisms or, or the ways that you would distribute that to get it in front of journalists, whether it's, you know, bigger publications or more niche industry newsletters or things like that? Like, what are the different ways that business owners will leverage a press release to get in front of those journalists or the people that would want to tell a story about whatever event or update they're making? Right. So for a lot of people, the most effective you know way to distribute a release is through a service. Um you know, usually it's over a wire. In the U.S., there's two major wires of press releases, uh, PR Newswire and Business Wire. Um, there's a minor wire, uh, Globe Newswire, uh, that's out there. Um, but the wires that people probably recognize, like Reuters and Dow Jones and AP, are not uh, platforms for distributing press releases. Um, everything that they run, they write. And as a result, they control the copyright and they get paid by newspapers and others that want to, uh, you know, basically use their material rather than have to write it themselves. So a lot of daily newspapers aren't going to have their, uh, you know, journalists writing breaking news. They can just pull it off the wire and, uh, pay a fee, uh, for that. So, uh, you know, here in the U.S., there's a lot of companies with wire in their name that are trying to get people to distribute through them. Um, and so it is confusing out there. Um, most of those aren't actual wires. Most of them don't reach journalists, um, but they do something that was probably important 15 years ago. Uh, and that's uh, syndicate your press release on a bunch of websites. And, you know, there used to be an SEO benefit to doing that maybe 15 years ago, but there really isn't now. It's not going to hurt you uh, because, you know, the, the links are usually no follow links and Google recognizes these as press releases. So they don't penalize you, but they don't really give you a benefit. But some people like having a roundup of, you know, a hundred links to different websites that show their release. But the truth is they're usually on sections of their website that 
not many people are paying attention to. And it happens even if you go over a traditional wire like PR Newswire, the release will show up on like a section of Yahoo Finance and uh, a lot of, you know, a few other websites. But the real goal is to get that earned media uh, because, uh, you know, if a major publication picks you up, and they write about you, uh, you will get seen by a lot of eyeballs and potentially could get customers from that and, uh, you know, be able to use it and leverage it yourself for helping uh, your business with your existing customers and leads. And where does that terminology come from, wire? Is that Telegram wire? Is that, like, I'm just curious where that term it came did. from? Okay. It did originate in like the, I think, 40s and 50s as a wire service, uh, sort of like a Telegram model. And then it was uh, feeds directly to newsrooms with dot matrix printers spilling stuff out, uh, and, and then onto intranets. And now it's evolved where it's just feeds directly onto the internet. Journalists have logins, uh, like to PR Newswire. And the great thing about having a login is they can customize the feeds that they see. Um, they could even make them specific by keywords um, for certain things that they're looking for, as well as including keywords to exclude. So they're really looking at a feed that's really specific to what they cover. And then, you know, you know, there's the mechanism of actually distributing the press release. And you mentioned some things I want to come back to here in a second. Um, but then there's also like some best practices of things to stay away from like biggest mistakes that people can make if they're just getting started writing their first press release or, uh, you know, kind of coming in as a beginner and not knowing what mistakes to avoid. You mentioned the one already of, you know, the goal of the press release is not to write the story for the person. It's to put the building blocks in there for them to then create the story that they're interested in telling. And you become a, maybe like a central character in that story. Uh, but what are some of the other common mistakes that you see people making when they're getting into press releases as a, as a awareness mechanism for their business? Uh, I think the biggest mistake I see is people look at what their competitors are sending out as a press release and sort of do their version of that. And the truth is that 95% of press releases generate almost no earned media at all. And if you look and so your a competitor is sending out a release when they have a new hire and it's a, you know, a, an associate of HR, and you're like, well, we just hired someone uh, in, in a different department. Maybe we should do a release for that. And all of a sudden, you have all these people sending out, you know, these personnel change press releases that no journalist is really going to respond to. Best case scenario, your local paper may put a little on the move section and maybe a trade publication. But unless it's a major executive or someone who's an industry veteran or there's a real story there, those type of press releases aren't very meaningful. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people will write releases that are fine press releases, but what they're saying isn't really breaking news or uh, strategic enough to, to really generate earned media. And I think that, uh, unfortunately, by the time we see a lot of these releases, it's, it's too late. You know, it's been approved in their business and they're wanting to hit the send button. And so they'll come to us and pay us and send it out and not much happens. So my job at that point is to say, hey, you're now a customer. I want to provide you with some education and, uh, you know, some, some, some real meaningful, uh, types of releases you should be focusing on rather than the types that you're doing. And, uh, you know, they, they, 
there's really a large variety of things that interest the media. Um, you know, sort of do an audit of your business. Uh, one of the most important things that small businesses ignore is their own story. Um, you know, what, what, what it is that they do that's unique and different from everybody else and how they came up with that as a business model. Um, if you look at everybody who appears on Shark Tank, you know, one of the first things they do is they talk about how they, you know, founded this company or created this product or service. You know, sometimes it's an inspirational story. Uh, there might be obstacles that they overcame. Uh, sometimes it's a vulnerability. You know, they were laid off or they had a health issue and they took some downtime and created this product. And now they believe there's a viable business here. And I think that one of the reasons that, you know, startups in particular and uh, people uh, that, you know, that appear on Shark Tank, you know, start with this is because it's a great way to humanize the business. And there's a human interest element there. And that's really irresistible to people. And journalists as storytellers like to be able to have a story arc. And it's so easy to create a story arc about a business if you provide some behind the scenes of, you know, what, what was the story uh, for the genesis of this, you know, company or product or service. And, you know, having that as well as, you know, introducing the product can really give a lot of necessary elements for journalists to uh, build out an article. Um, we get a lot of product launch press releases and it's just, here's the product and here's a, a bunch of features and, you know, things that you could add that would give a journalist more elements to build a story arc would be, uh, you know, a use case study. Uh, you know, here's a problem that a client had. Um, they used the product. Here was the results that they saw. And now here's a quote from them talking about their experience using the product. Um, you still have features you know, in the press release, you still have, um, you know, the, the actual launch of the product, but you've given a lot more meaningful uh, structures for a journalist to build that story out. And all of a sudden, you know, by incorporating that, you have a much, you know, higher chance of a journalist responding and creating an article. I love that what you, you kind of like help with the framing of the thought process of approaching a press release is it's really not about you as the person putting it together, which is so easy to fall into that default of how is this going to benefit me? You know, I'm going to put out this press release about this new person I hired, associate ASAR manager, or this new feature we rolled out. And it's very like me focused. It's like everyone pay attention to me because I did a thing rather than thinking about the person on the other side of that wire, trying to, trying to look for inspiration for stories that they can tell for their own selfish purposes, you know, and not selfish in a bad way, but just like they have a job or they have a goal that they're trying to achieve and they're using this as a tool to help them with that. Um, you know, and, and that's just a lesson for all business owners. Like your marketing can't just be about you and your own selfish interests. If you want it to resonate <laughs> with people that you want to interact with your business in a positive way. Um, and then, you know, I, I know there's, you know, with every industry and with every, you know, marketing opportunity, there are different levels of professional support. So businesses might look to an agency that specializes in PR or, you know, offers that like we promise to get you in these kinds of publications. Here's the price. Uh, what are some of the the things to consider, you know, looking at your industry and looking at the the people that also do this kind of work? What are the the, the things that you look for to differentiate companies, people or agencies that can actually deliver on the promises they make versus the ones that just have a great marketing campaign, promise a lot, but then at the end of the day, they're not really telling you 
in the back end what what the reality is. What are the things that people should look for when looking for a partner to help with PR? Right. I think that, you know, uh, if you can afford a PR firm, that's great. Uh, they generally, a good PR firm will be industry specific. Uh, you know, one that just handles uh, everybody uh, is, is probably one you want to avoid because the biggest, you know, and most important aspect of a PR firm is their personal Rolodex and connections to the media. So they could do personal pitches, uh, email, phone calls. Uh, and generally, if you're a generalist, there's no way that you know everybody in all the different verticals and industries. Um, so that's why there's usually PR firms that are specific to fashion, those that are specific to, you know, high tech. And even within high tech, there's, there's ones that specialize in like re retail consumer electronics and those who specialize in more, you know, specific types of like maybe computer hardware or telecom, uh, related, uh, high tech. So. You really want to make sure that you're choosing one like that. But that being said, for most of you know my customers, you know small businesses and startups, they just really can't afford a PR firm. You know they usually start at you know you know twelve to fourteen thousand dollars and go up from there. Um, and often there's no guarantee of getting media coverage. Uh, you know even working with a PR firm, if you are working with someone who guarantees pickup, often what they're doing is the equivalent of paid sponsorship in which they have an arrangement with uh, certain publications and some of them have great names. Um, and, you know, there's locations of Forbes that you can post stuff as an author. And, you know, you have these authors on retainer who write an article or you're giving them an article and they put it on Forbes. It sounds great, but it's not necessarily a Forbes article. It's not really going to appear in the magazine. It's not going to be on their main website. Uh, so, you know, those are also services that I try to avoid because generally you're going to spend $10,000 plus with them. Uh, you know, usually it's, you know, a couple of thousand per media pickup. And, you know, the, 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 you know, I would encourage people to, you know, try to do it themselves. Uh, you know, try a service like e-releases where you don't have to pay $1,500 to get a re release on the wire nationally. Um, you know, really try to be strategic with the types of releases that you're doing. If you build a PR campaign of six to eight releases and you do meaningful types of releases, you should see pickup from at least three of those, uh, press releases. Um, you know, and the types of strategic releases that you can do are, you know, I already mentioned, you know, your story, but there's also, you know, using data. Um, anytime that you're using, uh, you know, the media and getting stuff out there, so having supporting data can really help you. Uh, it can be public data that's just already out there, but you put it together in context with your release. You know, maybe even going back to the product launch press release, if you you know, highlight that say 67% of new companies fail in their first five years in your industry because of a particular issue. And here's a product that solves it. That makes it a much more intriguing uh, story. And that data is probably just out there uh, for you to sort of look and, and hunt. But also uh, something that you can do is you can create the data. Um, a lot of clients that come to me who have just tried again and again and never been able to get PR to work on their own, you know, one of the things I tell them is, you know, are, are you willing to do a survey or study within your industry? Um, I've never had that fail. On average, it gets, uh, you know, the least I've seen is four 
original articles, but often it's between eight and 14 articles uh, from one press release. Um, it does take a little bit more work. Um, you want to ask meaningful questions that are very timely and specific to right now. Um, you know, you can, you can ask, you know, all different types of things that are going on with the world in general, or be really specific to your industry. Sometimes mixing those in there can do well, uh, but you can ask like, you know, are you having trouble maintaining a work culture because people are still wanting to, you know, work from home? Are you, you know, are you looking to lay off or are you having hiring problems or, you know, is your marketing budget going to be the same less or more over the next two quarters. And, you know, all of those could send signals that, you know, hey, capital is expanding in your industry or, you know, capital is 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 uh, becoming hard to get. And therefore, there could be a recession or some kind of economic hardship that is either specific to your industry or could be, uh, you know, uh, nationwide. And, you know, you really can also have fun and ask sort of weird questions. You know, if you're at a conference or a trade show, what are some of the things you'd ask other people in, in the space, uh, you know, uh, about what's going on? Maybe things that you've noticed and you're just wondering if they've noticed the same thing. And uh, I, I usually coach people to do a 16 question uh, survey, four questions per page. You can really create it in less than 15 minutes in a product like SurveyMonkey. And then you just have a link that you share. And, uh, you know, the next pushback I get from clients is I don't know enough people to send this survey to. But the great thing is there are independent and small trade associations in every industry. Often there's hundreds of them. Uh, do a little research, find one. Uh, generally, if they have, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred members or more, they're really great. Uh, approach them and ask if they would send that survey to their members in exchange for you mentioning them in a press release you'll be issuing over the wire. A lot of the small and independent trade associations don't get a lot of attention in the industry. Uh, as a matter of fact, you probably aren't aware of many of them that exist. So they'll see this as a win-win and uh, often send it out to their members through email or maybe even social media. And sometimes you can get them to do both. Uh, and I've had a few of them you know, really come back and say, could we co-brand the survey, get a little more recognition? I don't see a downside to that. You're aligning yourself with a, uh, you know, someone recognized in the industry. And, uh, you know, generally, if you get a hundred responses or more, that satisfies most journalists. Uh, and, uh, you, you then take the responses from that, uh, 16, uh, question survey, figure out what they're, you know, two to four questions that were like surprising. What were the big aha moments from the survey? And you want to focus your press release on telling that story and focusing on that. Um, I do recommend building a page on your website where you put all of the responses and all of the data because you will be surprised that some journalists will go back there and fish out a different story and, uh, you know, look at the data and see if there's other meaningful things that they can sort of uh, bring to light. I've had it actually encourage clients to go back and do a second press release because a couple of journalists thought something else was a lot more compelling with the data and uh, continued to get like a lot of articles from one survey. So, you know, that's something that almost anyone can do. It sounds like a lot of work, but it doesn't have to be. You can just make it very straightforward. And, um, you know, these are the types of things that you can replicate. I have one client that does over 30 of these surveys a year. They represent a lot of different verticals and they do them annually. 
And they continue to get between eight and 14 articles for every press release they do. And they are sending links and traffic to all these little sections on their website. And it's just building up over time. And they are just recognized as survey experts out there. But it all got started with just an idea of let's give this a try and and see if we can make it work. I love how you broke all of that down to not just like the kind of things to think about with doing a survey, but then also the execution of how you can easily pull these things off. I want to, is there a character limit to press releases or a best practice for when you're thinking about the the scope of what you're trying to put together? I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 the wire does charge for extra words and, you know, there's no actual cost for them any longer for that. Uh, but it does encourage people to be concise because journalists are busy. They like to, uh, you know, look at a lot of stuff. And if you're extremely wordy, you're doing them a disservice. So I think that most press releases can be accomplished in 500 words or less. I've seen longer press releases that needed to be longer uh, just because of the, you know, the data that they were, you know, getting out there. Uh, sometimes, you know, publicly traded companies have to release financial data that just is going to be more than, than your average press release. But I think most people could really strive to be in there. I think if you come across a release that you've written, it's like 300, 350 words, I would challenge you to go back and look at it with the, you know, the principles of who, what, when, where, how, and why, and make sure they're all answered in there and see if there's some opportunities for you to sort of build it out a little bit. Um, and, and I, I would encourage people to be at a minimum of like 400 words and, you know, probably no more than 600 words. And then when you're thinking about you know, planting the seeds of a story and kind of giving the bones that a journalist can then go and run with. What are the, you you, know, you mentioned the who, what, when, where, how, why. Are those, is that the, the exercise, the mental exercise to make sure that you cover everything you need to cover to make it actionable? Like what, what's the framework that you think through when you're analyzing a press release to see are all the necessary ingredients there for a good story? Like how do you think about kind of like analyzing press releases and then generating your own. Right. I think that you, you want to lead with the hook, your most important element. It's sort of like the inverted pyramid where the most important stuff is there in the beginning. The opening uh, headline should really speak specifically to uh, your journalist because, you know, uh, I had some clients to write these punny little New York Times, uh, New York Post uh, headlines that are funny. And then the release does terribly. And I, I, I tell them, well, you remember I said you had a horrible headline. Well, I thought it was great. And I said, it is for the end user, but for the journalist who's busy and under deadline and he's got a couple hundred headlines that he's streaming through, he's looking at that and saying, I don't know anything specific there. It was just a clever pun. And it doesn't say that this is relevant to my beat. It doesn't say what you know, they're even talking about and it's not relevant. So you really want to make sure that you're writing for the journalist and getting the necessary elements for them to recognize, Hey, this is in my industry. This is specific to something that uh, interests me. And, and here is why it's important right there in the headline. And, um, you know, make sure that you, you open your uh, opening paragraph, uh, you know, sort of fine tuning that, breaking it down, making sure you're supporting it with a quote. Um, you know, having an amazing quote in your press release is a great way to ensure that your press release gets turned into an article. Uh, journalists love 
to build great stories. And if you have an amazing quote, they can do the heavy work and build out a mediocre press release into an amazing article, just if that quote is great. And I, I know I'm like, well, what's a great, you know, quote? <laughs> and uh, it, it it's really hard to put your finger on what makes a, an amazing quote. Sometimes it can be the creative flourish, you know, that you said uh, something with. Sometimes kind of, it can be the power um, the conciseness, how you just succinctly said something that is so specific in a way that if the journalist was to paraphrase it, there would be a loss. You know, if they took that quote out and had the article run without it, there would be a loss, a spirit of, of something tangible that was there. Um, it could also be something that's very contrarian. Uh, and that's a great way to stand out in your industry. Uh, journalists like to be fair and balanced. But so many times they're running the same sort of version of a story that's been out there again and again. If it's really, you know, everybody's going green in your industry and let's say you're in the automotive industry and everybody's talking about how great electric cars are, be the one person who says they're not. Uh, you know, talk about the downsides. Talk about, you know, getting batteries out of the earth is not environmentally sound, not to mention the labor practices. Uh, mention that, uh, you know, uh, are we creating more problems with all these batteries at the end of their life? What are we going to do with them? How are we going to dispose of them properly? Also, when electric cars get in fires, they're taking 25 to 35,000 gallons of water to take, you know, get them out. You know, it doesn't sound very environmental, very environmentally friendly to me. And that's a way to be rational and yet contrarian and saying, Hey, I think the goals of going environmental is great, but here are some roadblocks that we need to address and solve before we fully embrace this. And as a result of that, every time someone in the industry writes about EV or electric cars, uh, then you stand the chance that they'll plug you in as that rational person cautioning people and presenting the con side of an issue that, uh, you know, so many people are willing to, uh, go out there and, and put their pro position on. Uh, you know, we call that newsjacking. It started, I think, 10, 15 years ago. And that was a great thing to do at the time when something is hot in your industry, join the conversation. But now there's so many people competing, saying the same thing. You really don't stand a chance. But being a contrarian is a great way to go out there and, and do that. You just want to make sure that any positions you take are not going to alienate you with your customers. And you're not going to take a position that that will potentially hurt you. For sure. No, that's really, really great advice. Uh, so let's say that we've we've put together a great press release. It's been distributed. Now journalists are starting to pick it up. Will they typically reach out and say, hey, I saw your press release. I want to write an article about it. It'll just like happen. And then you just find a backlink somewhere on the internet. Like how do you discover that it's actually been featured somewhere? Right. So one of the things that I recommend with people is pay attention to where leads are coming from. Make sure that you're always asking on your website, how did you hear about us? You know, look at your, your logs and, and where is traffic coming from? Uh, also do Google news searches, but even more importantly, do Google web searches. There are a lot of trade publications that have asked to be removed from Google news because they don't want Google news stealing their content is the way they see it. But they're still spidered in Google Web. So you have to go to Google Web as well as Google News and do your searches. I also tell people there is an advanced tool in both Google Web searches and in Google News searches that are date specific. So start with the date that you issued 
the press release to now and do a search for you, your brand, whatever you are announcing that may, may be specific that you can pick out. And that's a great place to look. There are uh, services that will find your your articles and and your and your clippings, but these uh, clipping services often start at fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars a month. And if you're looking to get picked up in a monthly publication, it might not appear for three or four months. So you could go broke just doing clipping services. So I think that using, uh, you know, Google News, Google Web, uh, you know, asking people how they found out about you, paying attention to your logs will probably pick up, you know, 95% or better of the stuff that, that does happen out there. And you generally will get a feel for all of a sudden something's happened. You know, the phone's ringing, people are calling, Ask them, hey, where did, you know, just by chance, where did you happen to hear about us? And you will hopefully be pleasantly surprised that it's in a publication and, uh, or a trade magazine or, you know, someplace that is, is just really a great alignment with you and you'll get an influx of customers from that. Now, one thing that I, I wanted to circle back from and I forgot about, so I just want to circle back now is you mentioned that when journalists are looking through these wires, they'll have key, certain, they're looking for certain keywords and even negative keywords of like, I want to not see anything that includes these things. What What is that SEO strategy? Like, because SEO can be like this rabbit hole that you go down, especially for the web, where it's like, there's never an end to it, but there is a diminishing amount of returns with the amount of effort you put into it. So what is a reasonable amount of effort to put into a press release taking into consideration the kinds of keywords journalists may be including in their searches in order right. to maybe surface in front of the right people at the right time. Uh, right. Are there tools for that? Are there best practices for that approach? And and then the second part of that question would be, how do you not sacrifice the, you know, the impact of the press release if it's done well by just keyword stuffing to get through the filters? Because, I, you know, that's obviously a problem with blogs and things like that as well. Right. So most journalists just look at their industry feed. Uh, but there are some that do get granular and, uh, we'll, we'll try to pick up releases that are keyword specific or exclude certain keywords. Uh, for example, in the fashion arena, people who cover high fashion are interested in retail ready to wear. So they don't care that, you know, JCPenney has a new sweater line coming out. They're looking for, you know, high fashion. So, you know, they, they might put exclusions in there for, you know, ready to wear or certain retail, uh, places like Target and places that do not interest them. Uh, as far as like keywords to include, I would just naturally include the keywords that are specific to your, your industry and make sure you include them. Uh, one of the things that I'm guilty of when I often write blog articles about press releases is, I rarely mention press release. I just call it a release. And so just make sure you're not using a shorthand and that, you know, at least a couple of those times that you have the word press release in there and, uh, you know, just, just make it sort of, sort of natural. It's not a really something where stuffing keywords matters. The keyword just has to appear once in there to capture it. It doesn't look for keyword density. Uh, it's not a search engine uh, per se. It's it's a pretty simplistic search. Uh, so just making sure that, you know, natural keywords are in there uh, will get you covered. And, you know, if, if you are specific to an industry, probably not a good idea to write about the industry you don't cover. So if you are high fashion, 
probably don't mention Target and ready to wear saying, we are not ready to wear. We are not found at Target because then you'll <laughs> probably be excluded uh, by mentioning that. So I think just naturally making it as specific as possible is, is your, you know, your best way of, of doing that. And I, I think that, you know, uh, when you do choose to, you know, send out over the wire, you get to pick the industries uh, that you want to to go on. And those are the industry feeds and those are the most important. Uh, I know that some people in the past have used us and chose industry feeds because they know that some of these uh, industry groups have more journalists than others. Um, I had one who had a golf product and he did not send it to the golf category because he says there's under 30 journalists in that uh, category. So he sent it to business. And then he was surprised he didn't get any pickup. And he just <laughs> said he had, he created in his mind this thing like, well, you know, like the Wall Street Journal, this guy is an economist, but, you know, sometimes, you know, his readers are interested in, you know, what's a great Father's Day present or Christmas present. And, and I'm like, ooh, it doesn't work that way. You know, an economist is interested in, you know, the economy. He's not going to be interested in, in, you know, your golf products. And so in that case, they sent out the release a second time. And guess what? It got picked up by only two golf publications, but they sold over $180,000 worth of products as a result of it. And I was just like, see, you know, quantity over quality doesn't necessarily work. It's true. The business category had over 1500 media journalists in it and golf had under, you know, a, a few, just a few dozen. And, but it's really, if you align yourself with the most specific industry, it's not about the, the size. It's about being really, you know, targeted. Two publications drove huge amount of sales to them. Uh, and, you know, it probably will continue to trickle in and people will continue to, to find out about you. So it, 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 it's it's one of those things where I think just being logical rather than trying to game the system was going to work best for most people. Yeah. And anyone who's listening, their ears totally perked up when it was like, oh, press release, two articles, 180 grand. Who doesn't want that? Uh, you know, and so so I kind of want to wrap up before we, we talk about next steps for anyone that wants to continue learning, because we just kind of scratched the surface here on what you can do. Uh, what's the best way to leverage this strategy for a business owner that's thinking about this, not just because they want to be famous or because they have a box to check, they have a million other things on their plate. What's the best way to think about leveraging press releases and earned media to improve their business in whatever tangible way matters to them, whether it's thought leadership or increasing sales or par partnerships or being able to say featured in with like logos of famous magazines and, and newsletters and publications what are the most effective ways that business owners and entrepreneurs can think about leveraging press releases for their businesses? Right. So I think that, you know, it's, it all starts with, you know, building out a PR campaign. You should never approach it as one press release because, you know, what press release can fail, but building out a PR campaign of six to eight releases, defining a time, you know, you were going to do it every other month, quarterly, you know, just really build out uh, sort of, uh, this, this calendar that you can work with. And I think that, you know, quarterly is attainable by most people, you know, most busy entrepreneurs and small businesses can still sort of comfortably fit, you know, one press release on a quarter. And I think that, you know, 
take stock of what works and what doesn't, you know, try to make sure you're, you're, you know, giving all the elements of a, of a story and trying to get that across. Uh, but, you know, also utilize your successes. Uh, I have a lot of clients that get media pickup. And then when I talk to them later, I'm like, well, what did you do after you got the media pickup? And they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, did you share it with your social media? They're like, no. I said, did you take screenshots and put it on your website? No. Did you share it with your customers? No. Did you share it with your leads? No. But they were happy with the results because they got quite a few new customers. And what people find is the customers they get from earned media are often some of the best because they read an article you know, there's this third party corroboration or social proof that happens when someone writes about you. And it, it comes across almost like implied endorsement, huge credibility boost. And all I know is I read an article about a Kickstarter. I'm next thing I know, I'm on that page pulling out my credit card and I'm supporting this effort. I'm not opening a, a window and saying, can I get this cheaper on Amazon? Is there something out there that already exists that I could make work? I want to support this effort. And the same thing happens when people read articles and come in and do business with you. And that same sort of energy and warm feeling can, can be conveyed to your existing customers. And why that's important is there's always people who are like considering maybe we should shop around this year just to make sure we're using the, the, the best company. And if they read that, they'll be like, eh, no need to do that this year. We are with the right company. I like, you know, this is great. I like what they're doing. Same thing with leads. There's always, you know, a number of leads and sometimes it can be significant. Like, you know, 80% of your leads never convert. Um, but, you know, some of them get pretty close to that 50% mark that would tip them over to do business with you. And all of a sudden you get this article in a link uh, in front of them and, uh, you know, hey, they're reading the article, they're getting that warm feeling. All of a sudden they're over that 50% hump and they're, they're now a customer. So these are all things that you can make work. I had one uh, company, uh, they were a local carpet company in New Jersey, the most non-newsworthy company you could think of who was doing a press release a month. They had a year budget and they wanted to try PR and I couldn't talk them out of it because I just didn't see a way in which a local carpet company was going to make themselves newsworthy. But, you know, on month five, we had a brainstorm because it wasn't working and figured out that uh, their biggest enemy was the big box home improvement stores. And I really liked the David versus Goliath messaging that they were giving me and how bad they were with carpet installations and how so many consumers have nightmares with their carpet, having to pay other companies to come back and restretch or fix seams or even just take the carpet out. And not to mention that the padding they use is supposedly not very good. So we put this David versus Goliath approach into a press release, sent it out, and they got picked up by over a dozen floor trade publications with that next release. And we continue to work these different angles of the same thing over the rest of the year. And in all, they had 30 articles. Uh, most of them were floor trade publications. They did get picked up in their local newspaper as well as New Jersey Magazine. And what they did was it, they put it together in a brag book 
is what they called it. And each time they went into someone's home and gave them a quote for a carpet installation, they said, we may not come in as the cheapest, but we're nationally recognized. Here we are in Floor Trade Weekly. Here we are. Here we are in New Jersey Magazine. And just by adding that to their sales process, they started converting 17% more of these appointments into actual sales. And that was like adding multiple six figures to their business as just a small little uh, carpet company in New Jersey. That's the effectiveness of getting PR. Uh, the people who looked at these articles didn't even read them. They just saw the the brand recognition. And then later when they're talking to their spouse, they're like, I don't know, you know, this company came in the cheapest, but this one, wow, they're really recognized by so many different places. I feel like I can believe them that we're getting a better product and a better service by just paying a few hundred dollars more. And, you know, that speaks volumes as to, you know, the power of PR because it, it is almost like a referral. It builds authority. Um, it, you know, establishes that rapport and excitement and that credibility just can't be bought through advertising or any other way. That's awesome. I love that story because, yeah, it's like who would have thunk a local carpet cleaning company has something to say, but that's really smart how they incorporated all that. Okay. So, you know, we've kind of reached the end of our time here, but again, we've just scratched the surface. Where can people go to learn more about press release best practices? What kind of resources do you have at your website? Where should people go next to take the next step that they want to explore incorporating a press release strategy into their marketing plan for 2024? Right. So ereleases.com is my website. Um, I have a free masterclass uh, that's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's completely about how to build strategic types of releases. So I recommend uh, that people start there. It's less than an hour long video, but it'll help, you know, you go through an audit of your business. And if you build a PR campaign going through that, uh, of you know, 10 ideas for press releases, you'll, you'll be building a PR campaign that's night and day more strategic and more likely to get media pickup than, you know, anybody else who's just doing press releases based on what they see other people doing. Fantastic. And we'll link those in the show notes below. So you can just click right over. Mickey, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today and sharing all your expertise. Really enjoyed having you on. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks. So I would say that my number one takeaway from my conversation with Mickey is make sure that you are prepared for the press release. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not prepared in the sense of, you know, what story you want to tell, you've written the press release, you started distributing it. But once it's out there, are you ready to capture the influx of people that will come if you get featured somewhere? Like I did not know going into this episode that if you write a press release and somebody writes an article about you, that it'll just totally be in the background and they won't even reach out necessarily and say, hey, I'm writing an article about you. Here's the link. They're too busy for that. They're just trying to write a story and they happen to find some quotes or some things that are valuable for them to write that story. And so make sure that you are paying attention to your website traffic and where your leads are coming in from and put places on your lead capture forms to capture, you know, where did you hear about us or how did you find out about us? So that way you can pick up anecdotally where people are discovering you and maybe find out, oh, we're featured over here. Somebody wrote an article that quoted us over here. And then on top of that, leveraging that Google search strategy that we talked about where you can filter based on the dates and and really look to see are any of the things that we talked about in our press release showing up in blog articles or websites around the internet where we can maybe discover that we've been featured somewhere. So that way you can start to attribute the results that you're hoping to see from the press release from the press release itself. Now, 
Mickey's website, ereleases.com, and all the resources that we mentioned are linked below. So definitely go and check those out, those free resources to help you get started and moving in this direction. And definitely consider working with Mickey if you feel like uh, you really want a seasoned professional helping you shape the initial press releases and your strategy moving forward. Well, I hope you found this episode really helpful and insightful. And until next week, be honest.